Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the podcast, What Are You Going to Do? This podcast is geared for people who are very concerned about what's happening in this country, not specifically about a virus, but about some of the rules, mandates, restrictions, and the freedoms that are being taken away from us for extended periods of time as a result of this virus and the conflicting information that seems to be backing up these rules. We're being told that it's for our own good, but is this 100% true? Some of us have doubts. This podcast is for people out there who are really concerned, even worried about what's happening in our country. People who really don't want these restrictions to continue or even get worse. Those who wish they could do something but don't really know what they could do. In fact, they don't even know if they can do something. Well, having been in the freedom of years now, along with the guests I interview, are going to bring you some actionable and doable steps that you absolutely 100% can do. But steps that you can do right from your own home or from your own computer, This podcast is for people who no longer want to be watchers and talkers and Facebook feuders, but doers. That's why the name of it is, What Are You Going to Do? So here we go. Today, I'm really pleased to have Dr. Lauren Leahy, naturopathic doctor, teacher on the podcast. I recently heard her on another show, and I thought she had some great insights about health and about our current situation. And I learned a lot from listening to her, and I believe you will too. She's going to share with us some of her thoughts as a medical person about naturopathy, how naturopaths approach their things with their patients, medical freedom, and of course, our favorite topic, coronavirus. She's also going to give us some actionable steps so that at the end, we can do something. So welcome, Lauren, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for for making this happen. So let's just jump right in. You are an ND, not to be confused with an MD. So, you know, we hear about this term, you know, it seems like naturopaths have been, we've been hearing about them more in the last five or 10 years, but I think a lot of people don't exactly know what they are. And the type of training, et cetera, they have. So please, you know, share with us what is Okay. So um, many people, like you said, don't really know what it is. And um, I didn't really either until about two years before I became a naturopath. So um, we are considered naturopathic doctors. Uh, we're currently licensed in 22 states around the United States, um, in Canada and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, D.C. Um, as far as education-wise, um, our education is pretty on par with a, a medical doctor um, or a doctor of osteopathy. Um, you know, we. Uh, the first two years take the same basic sciences, um, anatomy, physiology, biochem, uh, all those things, clinical diagnosis, genetics, you name it, you know, we do it. In the third and fourth years, that's where it becomes a little bit different, where um, a, a medical, an MD, medical doctor, would go on to 
their clinical rotations at that point. In our third and fourth year, we do clinical rotations in a school's clinic or sometimes off-campus clinics. Uh, and during those third and fourth years, that's when we learn our different types of treatments. Um, so those treatments could be everything included, like botanical medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, counseling, homeopathy, physical medicine, hydro, uh, hydrotherapy, clinical nutrition. So we're getting all different treatment ways uh, in those third and fourth years. Um, go ahead. And what the, what's a medical doctor doing? Like, are they still learning different types of they are they're doing it differently they're doing it in rotations so they would go through an obstetrics rotation in the hospital or you know where we're getting obstetrics classes and seeing you know some pregnant women in the clinic but we wouldn't go through a whole rotation of just that you know that's that's how it's different in the those years um we also do clinical board exams um after the second year and after the fourth year um and really, our big difference is in how we approach the patient. Um, in naturopathic medicine, we have what are called our six principles. Um, one, the, the first one is the healing power of nature. So we believe that the human body has an innate healing power. And our job is to just kind of help it out. Um, we always want to identify and treat the cause of the problem. We want to try to get to the root of, of what's going on in the person's health. Um, of course, first, do no harm. And I'm sure I'll talk to you about a therapeutic order in a little bit. But I, I as a doctor, as a naturopathic doctor, I always want to go with the least invasive stuff first and kind of build on that. Um, doctor as teacher. So um, you'll find many naturopathic doctors give talks on different topics and um, really try to educate their patients. Um, You know, your office visits are a lot longer um, when it comes because you do incorporate that part of it. Um, Treating the whole person is the other, is the almost last one. Um, But we really want to treat not just physical symptoms, but, you know, mental, emotional, treat the whole person as a human being, not just a condition. And of course, we want to focus on prevention. So a lot of what we do is prevention of, of more serious illness. That's great. That's, um, that was actually just beautiful to hear all that. I loved hearing about the cause and the root. I mean, these are, I hate to say it, but they're they're kind of vast differences um in some ways depending on the medical doctor vastly right. different um than than uh what a medical doctor does and i love that doctor as teacher because and it kind of goes in conjunction with the visits being longer because i mean we all know most of the time when we see a traditional allopathic doctor that the only time they kind of see who you are is right before they walk in the room and they take the file that's on the other side of the door. They look at the file, they open it up, they glance at it, they come in and for that, whatever, 15, maybe 20 minutes, maybe have their uninterrupted right. time. Um, sometimes they're typing as they're talking to you, which, which I get, you know, to a degree, but 
it can kind of make you feel a little bit like, are you hearing everything I'm saying? Right. Um, I feel like that also, and, not to take away from them at all, but, you know, I feel like that's part of the way the system is set up for, you know, like, it, exactly. you know, it's, it's, they have to see a certain amount of patients because of insurance or whatever. So they have to kind of have that. In fact, when I did a preceptorship with a, with a doctor, a local doctor, when I was he said, you'll, you'll see, it's almost like a, a conveyor belt, but you know, I have to get through them like that, you know, and he would see patients for three hours yeah. and he would see a ton of them, but it's part of the system, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, what? that's exactly it. It really is not, I, I think probably most doctors wouldn't want to see their patients for 15 minutes. They want to spend more time because I think that's really why they go into to medicine is generally with the perfect intentions, a good heart. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but for whatever reason, like you said, the system um, and some of them, I've, I've been learning about a lot of doctors kind of going out into individual practice again to kind of, um, I guess to some degree get away from, it because I guess if you're in, you're in a group, you don't feel like um, I have a friend who is in, uh, the medical system, and she overheard a doctor who had a big thriving practice and sold it to a hospital, and she heard him kind of lamenting a little bit, saying, now I'm just a bean um, counter. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the system very much so um, plays a big role yeah. in that. Yes, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> no problem. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as far as, like, approaches. I, I did mention earlier um, mm -hmm. the therapeutic order, okay? And that, that kind of yeah. does fall under almost all of the principles that I talked about. Um, but I kind of felt, well, I should say, I did my um, education in Connecticut. I went to the university port. I got my naturopathic degree there. And I kind of feel lucky in a way that I studied in Connecticut because we, as naturopathic doctors, didn't have full prescriptive rights in that state. So we really had to focus on the more natural things and nature cure. And that really kind of resonates with me. Um, you know, always trying to do the least invasive thing. I know that we have a, a common commonality that body workers, right? So, um, uh -huh. you know, sometimes, uh, you know, because I have that background in um, in massage therapy and Reiki and, and core synchronism and things like that, sometimes all the person needs is just a nice, relaxing, you know, body work treatment. That could be the thing that, that kind of sets them off and helps them on their journey. You know, it's you want to try right. the little things first just to get the body going. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to look at things because uh, like you said our body and i believe this too our bodies generally can mm -hmm. heal themselves and we and as naturopaths you said that you guys kind of try to help the body along so it's just sometimes just about giving that gentle leading in whatever mm -hmm. way that is even if it's just moving them uh, from this uh parasympathetic mode into the sympathetic mode so that they their body can receive whatever it is, botanicals or, or whatnot, even if it is a prescription yeah. uh, drug, because, uh, you know, it's just, your body has to be in a place where it could accept that. And I think that 
Um, that's great. I love that naturopaths treat the whole person. And having been to naturopaths myself, a couple of them over the years, I do find that. Um, and it's great. Um, and so anything else about the therapeutic order that we that we missed that you wanted to address? Because I think this is great. And I think real, people are really learning a lot well, right now. I will say, and you, you kind of just touched on it, you know, there is a time and a place for everything. Of course, I, you know, I always try to nature cure, nature cure, nature cure, you know, like, you know, I, I'll try the homeopathy, the hydrotherapy uh, before I'll take an ibuprofen, you know, but sometimes mm -hmm. you need the ibuprofen, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not against surgery. I've had surgeries, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, there is a time and a place for everything. And like you said, there sometimes is the time where you have to prescribe that, um, that therapeutic drug, um, depending on, you know, but that would be for me personally in approaching a patient, that would be, you know, the, the last resort, you know, the, the thing that we're going to go, we're going to try a bunch of other things first, um, you know, right. because just think about people with more complicated health issues, they didn't become that way overnight. Right. So you're not going to find that magic pill to fix it. They're going to have to do a little bit of work, a little bit of change, a little bit of something to get out of those habits that brought them to that place to begin with. If that makes sense. That's so true. That's so true. And, and that's another kind of, in my opinion, reason to try to stay natural, because if somebody does have a pre-existing condition or two and is on one or two mm -hmm. meds, introducing another one can can complicate things and you know we all know people whether they're older people in our lives or even now it seems younger people um that are on several yeah. medications and sometimes they develop symptoms as a result of the combination or or whatnot i don't think they test uh, drugs in conjunction with each other um to my knowledge anyway so um, it's great to always go the natural route and it's good. Like you mentioned, things don't happen overnight. So they're, they're not going to right. change overnight. Um, and, um, and sometimes, you know, we live in a drive through world and sometimes we need to remember that, uh, our bodies right. are not like that. Uh, so I think that's awesome. Um, anything else about naturopathy you want to bring to the table or educate our um, listeners on? No, I, I, I guess that's it. Um, I don't know, unless you have a specific question, you know, it is going to be one of my, my action steps is to about mm. naturopathic. So I think that's great. So now what I love about having you on the show, in addition to your, the, and actually it really kind of goes in conjunction with it is that Talking about medical freedom and talking about what's happening in our country close to a year now, okay? I think about a little over a year ago, we started hearing, hearing some rumblings about something happening in China, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you know, you are a medical person, okay? So sometimes when I have debates or lively conversations <laughs> with people, um, sometimes you hear, well, you know, you're not a doctor and you have your Google degree and etc 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 but you know you are a medical person so i think this is great like how 
what what is what's your take on what's happened what's going on medical freedom wherever you want kind okay. of want to first chat all right about. so first i should say i am not actively see, seeing patients um i haven't um i have the last six years i've been focusing on teaching and um but i do stay up to date with uh continue education and i do hold an active license in the state of vermont um but like i said i'm not actively seeing patients and so this is all um everything that i've kind of learned over the last year has been because i want to know about it and i do still consult with um with people so i you know i want to stay abreast of what's going on so when all this um started happening about a year ago i kind of got to the point where i was like okay there's going to be a lot of information coming at me so i kind of have to refresh a little and i i actually did because i was also um i had to renew my license so i was taking um continuing education classes pretty much the second half of the year to get them all in on time and i took and, you know, I took a refresher in immunology. I took a class on specifically on COVID-19. I took a uh, class on uh, post-COVID syndrome. Um, I took a class on a couple different uh, therapeutics like uh, vitamin C um, just to kind of get a refresher. And <clears throat> then I am kind of trying to keep abreast with whatever, um, you know, comes out in the media as far as like studies and things like that. Um, right. So when everything first started coming out about, you know, the virus, it, you know, it, it is, of course, there is a virus, there is something going on, people are getting sick. So my kind of take on it is, well, what could I do to prevent either me and the people in my family and everybody who would, you know, who, who's willing to listen from, from, you know, from having these post-COVID symptoms or from, if you get it, is it going to be a severe illness? Um, you know, I have my own personal uh, medical issues that make me more prone to severe illness if I did contract it. So, you know, I wanted to get myself and my family ready. Um, so... Mm -hmm. I'll kind of start with like, I guess the things you can do for yourself, right? So as much as this might be a novel virus, um, viruses have been around since before humans, right? So we are, um, we have evolved along with viruses and our body fights them in a certain way. So we have our um, mucous membranes that have, um, immunoglobulins that help us fight respiratory stuff. We have our gut that is a huge part of our immune system. Um, we have our, um, you know, just our gut integrity, all these different things that we can kind of enhance or help along the way to just kind of stay at their tip-top shape, you know? So um, the easiest thing is, you know, diet, right? So to add colorful things to your diet, like vegetables and fruit, I mean, not artificial colors, um, to give yourself those those extra nutrients that, you know, maybe you're not taking a multivitamin, maybe you're going to start to take a multivitamin, but you want to give yourself those things that are going to first just give your body what it needs to function correctly, right? Um, and then on top of that, there are certain um, 
supplements that you could take that will help your immune system. There's plenty of um, science backing it up. And um, I will say as far as dosages, I'm not going to mention dosages. And if you are going to plan to take a supplement, you should definitely speak with your doctor, maybe find a naturopathic doctor who can help you out with dosages. Um, but certain um, vitamins that you could take that will help your immune system would be vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Um, they all help with different parts of immune function. Um, there are minerals like zinc and selenium that help with immune function. Specifically, um, when it comes with zinc, I'm sure you've heard of the uh, the Zelenko protocol with uh, hydrochloroquine and uh, zinc. And uh, so you can take things to help your body absorb zinc. Um, you know, you could take quercetin, you could take EGCG from green tea, and that will help the zinc get into your cells and fight a, a virus if a virus is there. Um, so these are all things you can kind of prep prep your body with mm -hmm. to, you know, if you do come in contact with a virus, any virus, these things would help you to fight that virus. Great. That's great stuff. So that's kind of some of the things um, that you yeah, personally uh, did? Yeah. You know, I have both my parents are in their 80s. So when... Um, Probably around February or March last year, we, you know, definitely started keeping them isolated. And I did put them on a regimen of all of those things I just mentioned, vitamin C, D, zinc, selenium, quartz, mm -hmm. and also glutathione because glutathione is um, an antioxidant and it's really specifically a great antioxidant for the lungs and lung issues. Yes, that I mean that that's great. Some of the stuff I knew just from my own pathway and and just from educating myself about this, but um, as I just can't, I don't know if I should even mention. I just uh, I don't. I'm just going to mention it and then we'll move on because I don't want to go off on a tangent. But um, I just. I've heard little to nothing about this from the major media outlets. Right. That's all okay. So, going. yeah, to, to touch on that, right? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to discuss it because, you know, we're discussing COVID. But, um, you know, they, let's say mainstream media or whatever, um, you know, the, the, the government has invested a lot in the vaccine as the savior of everything. And... It, it, in order to have that happen now, since the you know it's still in clinical trials, they needed the emergency use authorization to be put in place. And if there were treatments that were coming out that were workable before that emergency use went through, they wouldn't need an emergency use <laughs> authorization, right? And it, you yeah, know, it, right. it sounds a little silly to say, but within days of that authorization, you started seeing on the news how ivermectin is a great treatment and, and hydrochloroquine, mm -hmm. after all, is a great treatment where, you know, we kind of knew mm. that those two studies for hydrochloroquine were retracted back at, during the summer, I think, you know, so it's, Mm -hmm. It's just very interesting how we, you know, <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. The timing of things. <laughs> the 
that's so that's great. So now when so when things started coming out and you you know you got your family, which is awesome, you protected them, you did whatever you could in our own power. Um what now were were people asking you like in your world were people people asking you and and say hey what do you think about this or right um, uh, well, not so much <laughs> most people in my family or in, you know in my life they they know how i feel when it comes to um vaccines um mm. but this mm-hmm. but even just like, just regarding oh definitely yeah yeah i had people about, at work you know that would mm-hmm. you know before uh, that would be like, hey, mm. what do you think about this? Is there something we could do? You know, and I would, I would, right. you know, definitely give them the information and pass it along, like a, you know, half. Mm-hmm. All right. What is it? What do you think uh, regarding treatments? Actually, because we're kind of talking about that. Um, what do what do you think of some of the treatments? I mean, yes, we've heard there is for people who don't know this. Um, I think his first name is Vladimir, but I'm not sure. But his name is Dr. Zelenko. I believe he's in upstate New York. And he is um, one of the top people in treating coronavirus and has treated probably thousands at this point with hydroxychloroquine and zinc. um, And possibly, um, I think there's three things he uses, but I'm not sure. You can go on his website and find them. And at this point, I believe there's whole countries that are following um, his protocols with great success. But there, but there are others as well. I've heard of, um, there was, I think his name is Dr. Bartlett that had some type Mm -hmm. of thing that went through a nebulizer. Um, but the whole point is, you know, there are other things out there. Um, and do you generally believe in those things or do you think that they're just conspiracies or things that aren't really actually um, true? It's not science. Dr. Pierre Corey, um, and I don't know the group that he joined but he he has testified now twice in front of congress um once in may and i think once in december um about ivermectin and he um mm-hmm. he said in his testimony that they a group of doctors who their sole uh job that they gave themselves was to go through known medications that we have you know 50 60 plus years of information and use on and just Mm -hmm. go back and look to see which ones of those could be used now since we have their kind of safety profiles and things like that and You know, these yeah. are just a bunch of doctors who kind of decided to do this on their own. Um, and as far as I know, and as far as I heard in his testimony in front of Congress, the government hasn't put together a task force like that to kind of look at what we already have and what we already know. Because, like I said, you know, um, viruses, they've been here forever. They do evolve. They do change. But in the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of medicine, how much have they changed? You know, if we have things that have worked in the past against certain viruses, mm-hmm. would they work against these? You know, like, so it's it's something that mm-hmm. wasn't looked at because there was a lot invested in this these other treatments. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I see what you're saying. And... Um... Okay, that's great. I'm going to look at it. And I just found him quickly. His name is Dr. Pierre. So it's P-I-E-R-R-E. And I believe it's K-O-R-Y. Okay. So if anybody wants to just go on YouTube and check it out, 
um, this is something you can do. You know, this is a great way to educate yourself. And it's, you have to take, you have to educate yourself along with taking other action and, and educating yourself is taking actions, taking great action. Um, so yes, I didn't know about that. So thank you so much about that. I knew about Zelenko and about some of the other ones, but I mean, the longer you're in this, you, you just hear more and more. So actually regarding treatment. So now like we've had this quote unquote Mm. under our belt for a year, initially, like we all know, because we heard uh, quite quite extensively, right. they were putting people on the ventilators. It seems like uh, um, sometimes they're still doing that, uh, but I think it was their original go-to. Um, and from what I heard, and I don't know if any of this is true or if you have heard anything about this, um, originally the the thinking was we're not we're going to go to the most invasive thing because we're not sure what we're dealing with and we want to save lives we want to keep people alive um so they didn't do like the oxygen and then and the um nasal cannula or whatnot um and um i believe that's to my understanding that's what happened then of course they found out for whatever reason that that was um that was not um the more people were dying i think it was something like 70 to 80 percent of Mm -hmm. people were dying who got on the ventilator. Um, and so now we've had a year under our belt and it seems like the people who are on the front lines who are making the decisions, not the people in the ivory towers, but the people who were there, it seems like they have a greater handle on how to treatment. I guess there's, there's more things available, like to your, to your uh, point that you mentioned. Um, would you agree with that, or how do you think? How do you think people are, are kind of addressing this now, or like this right. year's um, strength? Well, I guess I'll call it. like you said, I kind of think that they they realized that the ventilators weren't working. Um, you know, I, I you know I know just as much as you do as far as what was said in the beginning. You know, but it's like. I think they believed they were going to be overrun in the hospital. So it was like, once we have these people, let's get them on ventilators so we can at least control what's going on. And, you know, and then kind of Mm. you had all these, I'm sure you saw the doctors coming forward and saying, well, this, these treatments aren't really going the way, you know, we're hoping. And, you know, some people did start to come forward and say like, it's not the way. Um, And, you know, I think there was a lot of fear in the beginning and, and unknowing and a lot of choices were made based on that, that I'm sure people would love to take back or, you know, be able to do differently, yeah. but that's, you know, time and place. Mm-hmm. People have to make tough decisions. And I guess mm-hmm. that's just the, what they, what they knew mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and through, you know, to some degree, right. Through no fault of their own. I mean, I, I heard I heard some really terrible stories. Um, a lot of the nurses had come forward and were saying certain things. People that were put in charge of them, you know, students that were put in charge of them, but they, you know, they were respiratory nurses for like 10 years. Um, there was even a case where a dentist was in charge of some of the respiratory nurses. Um, and so, like you said, I guess they thought they were going to be so overrun that they maybe went overboard the other way no, by, yeah. by no malice intentions, you know, uh, malintentions whatsoever. And thank God we do have that time 
and it seems like we have um and it seems like from uh, a friend of mine's mother got it and her doctor said that it seemed at least in her opinion most of the cases that she saw this year were not as severe so maybe some people have you know built up somewhat of immunity or whatnot um so that's great so now let's talk about the famous topic of vaccines what what do you want to share with people about coronavirus vaccines or vaccines in general? Because I think that people are here because okay. they really so, want more. Um, love you just brought up you. immunity, right? So so what is immunity, right? So um, mm-hmm. normally what we think mm-hmm. of when we think of immunity is that, you know, you come in contact with a virus or a bacteria and your body creates an immune response and you end up with antibodies that your body keeps and remembers. So if you do come in contact with that virus or bacteria, again, your body can fight it faster and better, right? So there are different things that are involved when it comes to immunity. Um, But the big thing in the news is the antibodies, right? So the antibodies, 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 it means that you've come in contact with it and your body has the ability to produce antibodies against it. So the cells in your body that produce antibodies are, are called B cells, right? They're just a type of immune cells. There's another type of immune cells called T cells. Um, and T cells, certain T cells mm-hmm. tell the B cells what to do. So um, what happens is the T cells are alerted. There are different types of T cells. Some T cells, their job is to go tell the B cells, start making your antibodies. But what I have come across in the literature that I've read, um, that there is a portion of our population who has T cell immunity to um, SARS-CoV, even without coming in contact with it. Um, A couple things that I've read have said, I think between 20 and 50% of the population have this T cell immunity, which means that even if they haven't come in contact with it, mm-hmm. because they have come in contact with other coronaviruses in the past, through the common cold or whatever, their body does remember and can fight off even without having this antibody response. So there's that part of the immune system that's kind of getting overlooked when it comes to talking about this, but I have mm-hmm. seen more and more recently about it. So hopefully it will make its way to, it'll bubble up to mainstream media. Um, you know, uh-huh. and another thing that I'm seeing uh, just recently uh, in talking about immunity is gut health, right? So the, the gut microflora, uh, the microbiome in your body has a huge, huge, you know, um, force of your immune system it it has to be working correctly for your immune system to be working you know so that's another part that we're kind of overlooking mm-hmm. where um you know i've just recently read within the last couple of days uh, an article about uh, gut health and covid-19 so it's like all these things that are basic mm-hmm. immune things that we should not be we're just kind of not looking at to this mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah. right right it's exactly. not even on some people's so, radar you know having that antibody response is what they want from this vaccine right so 
this vaccine is a little bit different from the other vaccines that we might be aware of. Um, in older, or I, I guess you could say older, in <laughs> the old type vaccine, um, they put a piece of the virus or bacteria itself with an adjuvant to get your immune system to respond to it. So then your body starts to make your antibodies against this, whatever the virus or bacteria in the thing is. So the way the COVID-19 uh, vaccine is different, it uses mRNA, which is a messenger RNA. And that messenger RNA, when it's injected, um, goes into the cells and instead of telling the cell, you know, having that immune response to, for your body to make the uh, antibodies, it tells your cells to make a piece of the spike protein, which is a part of um, the SARS-CoV virus. So then your cells start to create these little proteins that look like SARS-CoV virus spike proteins, and it puts them on the outside of the cell, and your immune system says, hey, that's not me. I need to make antibodies to it. So it's almost like um, like it kind of adds a step in a way where your body, instead of being in having that bacteria, yeah. I'm sorry, that virus come into you from the outside of your body, your body is producing that piece so that your body can then react to that piece, if that makes sense. So, so the traditional vaccines um, do not go into your well, cells? Well, they all go into cells, this but this one, um, traditional ones, will have that piece of the protein in it already. But this one is making your body oh, make right. the protein, and then you react to it. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, you know, as different. far as widestream use on human population, this is the first time we're using this type of technology in a vaccine. But, it, but it's right. not the first no, time they've, um, they've been trying right? probably close to the last 20 to 30 years to make um, a coronavirus vaccine. Um, if you remember, I think it was 2003, 2004, we had SARS and MERS, and mm -hmm. that was the last, um, right. the last time I think they were trying, but then I think they tried again in like 2011, 2012, around that time also. So in all of those previous studies, um, they did do animal studies because it wasn't, it wasn't used in humans. Um, and in those animal studies, they they noticed this kind of peculiar thing happening um, called antibody-dependent um, So they, they noticed this antibody uh, enhancement. Uh, some people call it pathogenic priming, where um, when the animals were injected with the, with the vaccine, they had what was an expected immune response where they started making these um, antibodies. Um, but then in animal studies, you can take it a step further um, and introduce them to the virus again to see how they're going to react to it, where in humans, you wouldn't do that to humans. Um, and when they did that in those studies, the animals ended up having an enhanced immune response where their body overreacted and they ended up with um, 
multi-organ system failures and cytokine storms and death in 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 the study so you know that's what has happened in the past mm -hmm. when we've tried uh, and now this is the first time that we're using it fully on people and we actually skipped animal trials in this study well at least the the first two that came out right. mm -hmm. correct wow that's great i mean because we hear a lot of these terms but you know it's great to hear it broken down and just kind of <laughs> i'll just say for myself dumbed down um <laughs> um because, you know, we hear these little quick tidbits on the news and, you know, right. we just don't always have the time to do the research ourselves. So it's great to have somebody who knows how to explain it, but also knows how to explain it right. to the general public because we're not dummies. You know, we can understand some of this stuff. Um, and um, I think it makes us all feel better right. about whatever we decide to do. Um, um you know, and, and as far as the virus goes, um, does it, is this virus, is this vaccine claiming to prevent someone from getting the coronavirus? So you, you can, your, you can you know, totally find that out on your own. And, and I will, I can, I can, I don't know how, can we link mm -hmm. stuff to this? Mm -hmm. I can send you links. Okay. All right. So I can send I think you the I can link things the in the show notes. Itself, right. So that's what I, that's what I've kind of looked at. Um, and because right now, mm -hmm. the only information we have to go on is what has been released, right? So technically, these trials don't end mm -hmm. until 2022. So we, we won't have the raw data of what's mm. actually going on until then. And then I just read something where I, I forget if it was Pfizer mm. or Moderna, but one of them had said there they would wait until mm. two years after the trial had ended to release their raw data. So that could mean we're waiting four years. Um, so it, right now we're only wow. going off of um, the FDA media briefing notes that were put forward and um, the trial protocol. Right. And there were a couple okay. extra things that were just released recently that I have not read yet. Um, but, it, you know, oh. we, we really don't know um a lot because the trial's not over you know and and it, mm. <laughs> that's a big one for me <laughs> we, right right we don't know especially something that they've never been able to create before i think i, I was and i was at the chiropractor's office the other day and just chatting with some of the other patients and stuff and one gentleman seemed, he didn't come right out and say this, but I think what he kind of did, he said, well, thank goodness they, they, they put, they threw a lot of money at this and that's why they were able right. to come up with the vaccine quickly. And I think that's a common belief, but I don't know that, would you, would you, would you, what would your response be to that? Because I don't know if I really could agree with that. Yes, they threw a lot of money. We all know that. But like to your right. point, you can't create time. And also to get to get back to your original question, I kind of realized that I skipped over it. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we don't no, know what's going to happen, but we can look at what they've said. And what they have said is that their um, their primary end goal is 
to look at reduced symptoms of COVID-19. They, as of yet, have no way to tell if there's, if there's going to be a reduction in transmission of SARS-CoV virus. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. a huge, um, you know, endpoint that you would want, right? With a vaccine, you would mm-hmm. want that you're not going to be spreading the virus in the population, but that's not what this right. clinical trial right. has even set out to study. So that's, you know, that's where in the problem mm-hmm. lies, mm-hmm. you know, we're not even studying that at this point. Wow. 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 That's amazing. And that's, I guess that makes sense, Lauren, because that's, you know, for people who are getting the vaccine, you know, they still have to wear the mask because we don't know if right. it is reducing transmission. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and, and the fact that they're not even studying that, which I did not know, so uh, thank you for educating us on that as well. I mean, this is this is really powerful stuff. And I'm really, really grateful that we're hearing this from somebody who's, you know, who, who's reading and can understand and it in a way I will say this, better than most of uh, you us know, can. I'm speaking as a naturopathic doctor, but I do not speak for all naturopathic doctors. There are plenty of them who are going out and getting the vaccine or, mm. you know, helping their patients when their patients are taking it or whatever. It's just not something that I am doing it. Right. And that's it, bringing that's it back to medical point. freedom. That that's is their choice. Point. And that is their medical, you know, that's how they want to mm-hmm. treat their body. Right. And in today's day and age mm-hmm. with individualized everything, medicine is not the place where we should start with a one size fits mm-hmm. all. You know, medicine should be individualized as much as possible for each person and to to kind of, you know, because mm-hmm. inevitably the mandate's going to question is going to come up. We want the we want to be able to choose if I want this or if I don't. That's part of medical freedom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Medical freedom is a big part of um what I've been doing and I know what you've been doing. Um, so before we go into action steps, um, can you just tell us briefly, how did you kind of get, would you consider yourself in the medical freedom movement? Um, so how did you kind of get I, I, uh, I was thinking about this in, in like preparing for your show today. And I guess you could say mm-hmm. I've kind of mm-hmm. always kind of beat my own drummer when it came to my own health. Um, You know, I could tell you when I was in Mm. third grade, the Mm -hmm. doctor told me I had asthma and I said, no, I don't, (laughs) you know, and, and I just, I, you know, I never ended up (laughs) taking the inhaler and I was okay. You know, like it's just things like that. But um, Uh when I, when I was in college, I came in contact with yoga and that's really what started me down the total natural route. Um, after college, I went to mm. massage therapy school, but learned, um, I went to a school called New Mexico School of Natural Therapeutics. So we had a, a very broad, basic mm. uh, education in natural healing. It, it was kind of like the four years of ND school, you know, whittled down to six months and just kind of give the very basics. Um, mm-hmm. But 
that's where Mm. I realized that nourishing the body and getting rid of the the things that are harming you and all those things kind of came in play and where I realized that that was the road I was going to walk down in life where I was it was always going to be the natural route for me from that point on Mm. um you know and then um in my studies and I found naturopathic medicine and kind of went down that route but it was always kind of like a universe was guiding me down Mm. the path to natural and for me and my family that's just the way it is (laughs) right 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 so now did you recently would you consider yourself like in the medical freedom movement and i'm not saying you're not i'm just saying would you identify more as like i i would think medical freedom right because even when I was in, in school, in naturopathic school, mm-hmm. we every year did a New York lobby day and we did a federal lobby day. Um, and I participated all four years I was in school. And I really just to get to try to get more naturopathic doctors licensed on the state and federal level. But that kind of made me realize, like, I at the time, I didn't call myself a medical freedom activist, but I want people to be able to choose the medicine Mm -hmm. they want for their bodies. So I guess you could say I've been lobbying for medical freedom since, you know, I've been in school, Mm. but it became a a more personal thing for me when New York state um, tried to and successfully remove the religious exemptions um, for children who were in school. And I really had to start fighting for my family then on the state level. Um, Mm-hmm. So that's that's when I finally, mm-hmm. I, I guess I started calling myself a medical freedom activist, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know the real the term before <laughs> that. You know, I haven't been in the fight I guess that long. Yeah. I yeah. Right, right. Well, you have right, right. But like yeah. you said, it wasn't really like a right. thing per se, because it didn't need to be a thing, um, and now it needs to be a thing. So um, that's great. Um, so before we get to action steps, anything else you want to share with um, everyone well, uh, that really we may just, have you know, missed? Like you said earlier, and we kind of talked about already, you need to really educate yourself. Um, it, think about when you hear something on TV, think about like, what are they telling you? Are they telling you talking points or are they saying like, here, this is what we know and this is how we know it. So you can go now read it yourself. Um, I know like mm-hmm. nobody has the time to do it but if you really are interested in Mm -hmm. you know broadening your horizons staying on top of things knowing truth you have to kind of seek it out yourself no matter what news station you're listening to they're going to be leaving something Mm -hmm. out so you have to kind of search out all sides to Mm -hmm. be able to know the whole picture that's great. Uh, and oh, yeah, sometimes yeah. <laughs> they're very subtle at putting their opinion in. Um, and I don't even know if it's always conscious on their part. Um, but but it, you know, uh, it's it's really hard for anyone to say something and not give their opinion even. But when you're doing it to millions of people, mm. um, there's a different responsibility there. Um, so thank you so much. So what action? So I know I think you told us. So just kind of go over the action steps okay, you so had. The and one so thing I read was um, visit naturopathic.org um, and you can find an ND 
in your area. Um, maybe start following them on social media, maybe go to a talk if they are giving talks or maybe they might have, um, you know, virtual things. They might have a concierge service in their practice where you could, you know, consult with them, you know, check out, check out NDs would be my, um, would be my first action step. <laughs> Um, it's great. Yes. The next thing I have awesome. is um, add something, one thing, one healthy thing to your life. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I have my own medical issues and it has kind of changed the way I mm -hmm. function in life. Right. But what I did was one thing I did personally mm -hmm. did was I made a commitment to exercise. So, you know, um, I do my walks. Mm. Um, so whatever one healthy thing to you would be, that could be anything from before you get out of bed in the morning, take three deep breaths. Um, or maybe you have a meditation practice and you want to, you know, up at five minutes. Maybe you don't have a meditation practice and you want to start with one minute a day. Um, exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, moving your body would be, uh, you know, another healthy thing you could add. I'm just kind of giving you a list of healthy things because sometimes you say do a healthy thing and people don't really know, right? Mm -hmm. So um, maybe you want to do a little yoga or take a walk right. or work out. One thing that I, you know, I never knew existed. I have an Amazon Prime account. If you can get free workout videos on Amazon Prime and they're 20 minutes, 30 minutes, do a little yoga, something just oh. to take that time for yourself yeah. and to right. increase your own health. You know, we intuitively know what we have to do to be a little healthier. And, mm -hmm. and it's always easier to add something than it is to mm -hmm. take something away. So that's why I said add something. So um, maybe you want to drink a little extra water or maybe you want to add one more vegetable a day. Um, maybe mm -hmm. you want to take the time that when every time you're in the shower or bath, you give right. yourself a scalp massage just to take that time, the extra minute for yourself. Mm. Add one healthy thing to your life or one thing that's going to improve your life. I think that is great. Um, you know, sometimes it's just so mm -hmm. obvious that it's like right plain as the nose on your face. And um, sometimes, and I actually heard somebody say this, who's a very, very um, pretty influential um, uh, freedom fighter. And she said, here's how I help everybody. I take good care of my body so I don't drain the medical system right. and I keep my body healthy so I can not be a carrier. And so she said, I take that personal responsibility. And she wasn't, you know, saying it in a criticizing way, but she was, she was just saying, you know, what, what I'm right. doing, it's, it's not always about wearing a mask and feeling good about yourself. It's about taking care of, you know, what's behind the mask, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, right. um, um, uh, food wise, what, getting more rest, you know, drinking more water, like you said, um, because it does help us. Um, it, right. it not only helps Definitely. us, but it helps others too. When we're in a better mood, when we're in a better place. Right. Um, so that is great, great okay. stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah. Send me the link for the okay. study. I may have it actually, but send me, send me it anyway. And, um, I will, uh, find a way to get it in the show notes. Thank you. And, um, thank you so much lauren lee for your time we appreciate it um and i think people really learned stuff and i know i did <laughs> and
And um, please join us again for the next Thank podcast you. of What Are You Gonna Do?